Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jaren Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm great and it's all around. Um, yeah, pretty busy from a work point of view, but aside from that, all is well. Um, really excited to talk about this, uh, to talk to Mark today about this feature. So uh, yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. So without further ado, let's uh, introduce our guest today, uh, Mark Benson. Um, he's in the CTO office for EUC, consultant and architect, and we're going to talk about VMware EUC Access Point. How are you doing today, Mark? Uh, good, thanks. Great to hear. Great to hear. So, I mean, obviously, from a from you know from a from a, a career point of view, you've you've had a you've had you know a, a great journey from consultant to architect, and now you know EUC CTO office. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark? You know where you started your IT journey and, and how you got to where you are today. Okay, yes. Um, I live in the UK, although I frequently travel to the United States and various VMware R&D facilities. I work mainly in VMware's R&D facility in London. My software engineering background um, actually started in the early 80s. Uh, I worked for two startups as a computer programmer um, and then Unisys. In those early days, I was a BCPL and then a C programmer working on real-time DEP PDP-11 operating systems. At Unisys, I was a principal software engineer, working mainly on Royal Navy defense projects, um, including uh, military security software for the world's largest X500 directory services implementation. After that, I did a spell working for a consultancy company specializing in financial sector clients. And it was there, really, that I was able to see firsthand what enterprise-ready really means in terms of security, compliance, HA, etc., I've always been in software engineering and have specialized mainly in security and networking software. I still develop code today, mainly with Horizon View and related prod products. I oh, wow. Okay, so that's, so, sorry, I was, I was just going to say that that, that, is a, that, is a, that is a really checkered background. I mean, I remember Unisys from, from way back in the day of, you know, Unisys and Wang and all the rest. So you uh, you, you kind of meandered from, from software to software to software there. And then you, you found yourself in um, in kind of, you know, what you described as enterprise ready and HA. That's that's um, that, that's really interesting. Um, OK, sorry. Sorry to cut across you. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, I mean, yes, it's always been software engineering, but often combined with, you know, consultancy, architecture and, and design. But I think the, you know, the software engineering has been a, a continuing thread. Um, but the, you know, the significant thing is I joined a startup called uh, Propero in 2001, where I became chief architect. And it was at Propero that we developed a lot of the technology and concepts you see today in Horizon View and Identity Manager. So I'm one of the joint patent inventors for that workspace technology concept. You know, which today is a huge part of our end-user computing strategy. So VMware acquired Propero in 2007, and the vast majority of people from that company are still at VMware today. Okay, so Propero was kind of like the Kickstarter for Horizon uh, and Horizon Enterprise. As as it stands today, you were you were doing kind of um, the 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 uh, you know the identity management layer and and the, and the brokering layer. Is that is that what Propero was doing or? Uh, yes, that's exactly right. So a lot of the a lot of the technology, in fact, a lot of the code was developed there. You know, of course, since two thousand and seven, we've developed an enormous amount more code within within VMware. Um, so at VMware, I'm a senior staff engineer. I still do software development, but much more of my time these days is spent doing design and architecture work. So in two thousand and nine, I was selected to join the newly formed end user computing office of the CTO, where um, I get far more involved in setting technical strategies and initiating new things. 
So today this group is led by our end-user computing CTO, Sean Bass, and he covers a complete spectrum of EUC technologies from application and desktop virtualization, mobile device management, and uh, content and collaboration side. Um, you know, as well as continuing software development, uh, this group has allowed me to work on larger strategic initiatives that are much harder to do when you're 100% developing software. So, you know, the EUC CTO office has been responsible for initiating quite a number of uh, key initiatives within within EUC. So, you know, speaking of EUC, you know, with, with the change with Horizon 6 and some of the enhancements you guys made, um, you come out with the Horizon access point. So can you kind of tell us about the, that? Uh, yeah, so it's it's sort of been uh, uh, brewing for a long time that the the, uh, the strategy around around access point. You know, we've known for some time that um, that we wanted a replacement for you know the Windows based security server, um, but really we wanted to develop a strategy that was um, what much bigger in it in its objectives than simply replacing security server. So access point is essentially a specialized reverse proxy intended for deployment in a DMZ or within a cloud tenant environment, it's usually internet-facing. So it's designed to protect server-side EUC resources um, with an you know, within an enterprise data center or a cloud tenant environment. Primary functions of Access Point are firstly to ensure that the only traffic entering into the enterprise data center or cloud tenant environment is traffic on behalf of a strongly authenticated user. So unauthorized traffic is, is simply dropped. I mean, secondly, it ensures that legitimate protocol traffic can only be directed to resources like virtual desktops and application server that the user is, um, is authorized to access. So we took a completely fresh look at the design for Access Point. We wanted this accurate, fine-grained policy enforcement at the network boundary, but without any administrative complexity, you know, of constantly defining and changing these rules. Access Point is therefore self-learning in terms of policy configuration. You know, it utilizes entitlements information that is already defined for, for user access. And this means that you can basically deploy an Access Point appliance and, and just leave it alone. Very good. Okay. So, I mean, we, we, we welcomed the, you know, the... The, the the intro of the access point um from a from a technology point of view there were there were some challenges as you mentioned around some of the the finer points of the security server design previously i mean what what, what if you could say you know what were the what were the focus points of the of the rearchitecture um uh, and you know <clears throat> you know what why the change in direction if you mind me asking uh yeah sure um so um, yes, I, I think that um, you know some of the uh, limitations around Windows security, you know, are sort of well known. But really, the Horizon Windows security server has been successful for a long time. You know, it performs well. It's got proven security characteristics, and it's widely deployed. It does have some limitations, as you say. You know, the close association with connection server with static pairing with exactly one connection server. You know, that can be quite uh, quite inflexible. So a hardened-based Linux virtual appliance that can be production-ready on first boot, actually within about a minute, does have significant benefits, particularly for today's cloud scale, you know, where dynamic and rapid capacity variations is really the norm. So Access Point can scale up you know, horizontally to support extremely large workloads. Supporting um, automated orchestration for this was an important factor in you know, going with the, with the virtual appliance model. 
I think the second reason was to address the increasing number of products in the VMware end-user computing portfolio that have similar remote access security needs. You know, we needed a common access point platform with a design to allow a plug-in architecture for the different specialized components. I mean, part of this was, uh, frankly, for VMware engineering efficiency, avoiding, you know, development duplication. But also, I think customers wanted to, you know, didn't want to have to deploy um, different gateways for the different EUC products. Um, security server is good for Horizon View, but we couldn't use it with DAS, for example, and we couldn't use it for the forthcoming uh, Enzo uh, Smart Node um, uh, products. Um, you know, even though the clients, the Horizon clients and the remoting protocols are, are the same for all three products. So really unifying to a single access point platform architecture made a lot of sense. You know, we use it with Vue as a security server replacement, you know, for DAS in place of the dynamic DTRAM firewall, you know, Enzo for smart node access. And, you know, you'll see an increase in, um, in uh, use for other products as well as we, as we move forward. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, so, I mean, looking at the, the access point as it stands today, as you mentioned, it's a Linux-hardened appliance. Uh, it has a RESTful API for configuration, so it's very, very fast to get up and running. And as you mentioned there, you're, you're, you're using this opportunity to kind of make a unified kind of remote access solution for not even just Horizon, more, you know, lo- looking further down the stack and giving yourself some options as, as the solutions come forward. So, yeah, I mean, from a, from an industry point of view, when, when when I spotted it, I thought it was a fantastic move. Uh, as you mentioned, Security Server worked really well for what it did. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I saw a need for for, uh, for an appliance like this. And from, from you know, from what I've seen from initial configuration, it's... Um, it's uh, it's really really good, uh, and it, you know it seems to work. The the only the, the, it was it's a little tricky on, on the first in or in the first instance to get it configured because there was a little bit of pushing configuration up and down. But I can only assume that's going to get easier over time. Would that be fair to say? I think I think that's a valid assumption. Yes, um, okay. and possibly a, a possibly a fair criticism for the uh, you know for the in, initial uh, um, deployments. Oh yeah, no, I don't mean it in the criticism. I mean, look, it, it, this is this is a one point you know, um, new kind of architecture for you guys. So there's always going to be features and functions that that will come at a later point, you know. And I, that that was really more of a of a compliment that it worked well out of box, you know. So, um, so I mean, moving, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, moving on from you know. T- to, to today for, for customers who have uh, security servers deployed out in the DMC this this isn't an upgrade this is this is a new this is a new uh, deployment would that be fair uh, yes that's right I think that um, you know we're certainly not going to you know support any upgrade method from uh, from existing uh, security server this is a matter of replacement um, and so you know it offers uh, similar functionality to access point but in, uh, to access point offers similar functionality to security server. Um, but increasingly, you'll see, you know, all of the uh, development and innovation is going into into access point. You know, so in terms of, um, you know, uh, upgrades are basically, you know, it's a, it's a new deployment of access point. You know, we're following that philosophy through to um, to basically saying that access point itself, you know, the software components on it and really the configuration of it uh, is not really upgradable. You know, so... Um, it's an approach that we took. Um, you know, there's a need for always-on, non-stop operation. And really, we looked at the, the set of changes that you would ever need to make to a deployed access point appliance. You know, that may be a minor reconfiguration. It might be the upload of a, a soon-to-expire SSL server certificate. 
you know, fine-tuning supported ciphers, a security patch, you know, right through to a major upgrade. And we didn't really want to distinguish between any, any of those. You know, we didn't want a situation where some of those changes meant service interruption for the end user and some didn't. You know, we wanted zero interruption uh, at all times. You know, I really, you know, philosophically, I hate having a great solution for half of the problem. So we really felt that, you know, upgrades in the, in the traditional sense are unnecessary. It's a virtualized environment combined with dynamic load balancing. So we went, you know, with the, the policy of replacement with rolling upgrade to ensure, you know, always on ser- service. I mean, as an example, if you have two access point appliances to do an upgrade, just deploy two more. You know, the design allows access point appliances to be production ready on first boot. So in less than two minutes, your new ones are fully operational. New traffic is, uh, you know, by nature of the load balancer configuration, new traffic is directed to the new ones. And when sessions are complete on the old ones, then you just destroy them. Virtualization and the design of access point gives these orchestration operations and and allows us to think about continuous updates in a new way. Yeah, um, I must say I, I like the new model. <clears throat> I've actually been working with the lab since it's released, and I've done a few customer deployments where I, I've you know moved them from um, security server to access points. And you know their biggest uh, thing they liked was one, it wasn't Windows, um, and two, they didn't have to do the uh, the IPsec pairing of the security server to connection uh, brokers. Um, you know today we still have to deploy. You know, for authentication purposes, if we're going to do things like uh, radius or or two factor, um, we're still deploying an extra set of connection brokers um, if we want to use that external only and then use single factor internally. But um, you know, I, I saw like in your release notes, you know, like like today, you guys do support smart card um, on the access point for authentication, and then at VMworld Europe, um, there are some slides that, that kind of hint to the future. Um, so can you kind of talk about? you know, some of the authentication stuff you guys were talking about at VMworld Europe and how you're going to move that um, to the security server, I'm sorry, to the uh, access point to kind of take away that need for extra uh, connection brokers? Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a very good point. And, uh, you know, that was one of the, um, you know, the examples uh, of the kind of inflexibility, really, of, uh, of, of security server, as you say, having to, you know, dedicate connection servers for remote access. So with the new design for Access Point, we did away with all of that. You know, so not dedicating particular connection servers for remote access, you know, and strong two-factor authentication was part of the reason. Um, but, you know, actually, the main reason for adding, like, two-factor authentication uh, to Access Point, uh, incidentally, two-factor authentication will be part of a forthcoming release, uh, it was to meet certain security requirements where certain customers will not even allow authentication traffic to enter the green zone or, or cloud tenant environment, you know, um, they basically want genuine, strong edge authentication right at the boundary. You know, if the user fails to provide valid credentials, then their traffic stops in the DMZ, uh, end of story. So we're adding an RSA secure ID. Um, also radius authentication, which opens up two-factor authentication to many partner organizations who already work with VMware, you know, to provide an ever-increasing list of innovative uh, authentication options I can't detail these yet, but you can expect others to to follow. One thing I can say is that that SAML for federated identity is a big part of the access point philosophy. The ability to provide specialist authentication at the edge, but then to generate a standardized SAML assertion to pass around at the back-end systems as part of a bigger VMware strategy around single sign-on. 
we use an important component of uh, VMware Identity Manager inside Access Point to achieve this. It's basically how smart card authentication works in Access Point today. And you will see broader use of these techniques across many EUC products. Yeah, those are definitely welcome features, you know, especially with having um, authentication at the edge instead of having authentication come into the, the trusted zone. Um, so those are uh, very big and needed features. And, you know, Radius, like I said, I deployed it with Radius <clears throat> on the connection brokers today. But, you know, a lot of customers that have uh, two-factor authentication products are doing it with some kind of Radius piece. So um, really looking forward to those coming to the access point. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd echo that. I, the, the idea of having, a, you know, not not allowing anybody to to um, to permeate through the the second fire, you know, second firewall of the DMZ until they're strong authenticated is, is definitely a security feature that I can see people wanting. So allowing all that authentication to take take place at that layer makes it makes perfect amount of sense. And the the architecture that you put in place where you know you can literally rip and replace these devices from an upgrade point of view and have all that stuff in the back end. It's um, it's a, it's it's very very good. Um, you know, so I mentioned earlier on that you know um, there it, it 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 can be a little tricky the first time you set one up because it's it's a completely new deployment model for one of these devices. I mean, do you have any tips for kind of deployment and management of these devices today? Um, if you know, if people were to to, to look at the appliances for the first time. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I mean, basically with uh, with DAS uh, desktop as a service offering uh, and the forthcoming uh, Enzo uh, smart node. You know the deployment of access point is is automatic. You know, so when a, a new tenant environment is is established, then you know the deployment and uh, configuration of of access point within that environment is is completely completely automatic. Uh, for DMZ deployment, like for remote access, you know my my number one tip is to use a scripted method to get the configuration settings right first time and deploy it so that it's production ready on first boot. This can even include the SSL server certificate needed, you know, and all settings that are visible through the through the REST API. Um, so you can easily uh, automate access point deployment for you know reliable and you know fast deployment into production environments. If it's misconfigured, just update the deployment script and deploy again. As I say, it takes uh, it takes about a minute to you know to deploy access point. You know, so uh, automating that is uh, you know is a good idea. You know, when we first deployed access point, we um, you know, we provided uh, information about how to automate that using uh, using the OVF tool uh, script. Uh, one of the difficulties with that, I mean, one of the good things about access point deployment is that absolutely all configuration settings uh, can be set at at deployment time, so that it really is production ready on on first boot. Uh, the downside of that means that the OVF tool uh, command syntax can get very complex. So what we've subsequently done. You know, because we're well aware that um, uh, administrators need a, a simpler way of deploying Access Point, we've also developed a PowerShell script to be able to uh, drive OV, OVF tool um, more automatically. And I think that that uh, you know the, the the PowerShell script method, um, you know, and combined with the ability to set absolutely everything up at uh, at deployment time, uh, will significantly ease um, deployment uh, issues. Yes, I, I agree with that. I use a number of scripts out there on the people I've published. Like there's a, a VMware fling out there um, that you can download to help deploy it. There's the um, the PowerShell script that you mentioned using the OVF tool. Um, I know early on that Sean Massey, he had a nice little PowerShell script that I've used a lot on deployments um, as well. And then Chris Halstead has also released 
some stuff also to help with the deployment uh, of the access point. So it, it's good to see not only VMware, but also the community too, um, embracing that and helping um, people with, uh, with more streamlined deployments of the access point. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, so kind of, you know, you, you kind of hit on this earlier about the access point, um, and you said that, you know, today is with, um, with Horizon and with uh, DAZ and with Enzo. Can you share, uh, and some authentication stuff as well, um, can you share anything else about what's in store for the access point going forward? Uh, well, going back right to, to the beginning and the, uh, the incentives for uh, developing the access point strategy in the first place was, uh, was never to have access point as a, as a product. You know, Access Point is a uh, is a is a platform technology. You know, which different groups within um, within VMware, different R and D product groups within end user computing, you know, basically uh, take Access Point and uh, put on their own uh, specialist protocol pieces. So it's very much designed as a um, as a platform, an extensible platform, because we're you know certainly very well aware that uh, a lot of the requirements around a, a DMZ a reverse proxy. Are very similar for you know a wide range of, of, of products. So you know it's designed like that in the first place, so that you know specialist teams can can develop. Um, so what you will see moving forward, and I can't give specific details about this, but what you will see going forward is that more and more products will ship with an instance of Access Point um, in order to meet the um, uh, the similar requirements around uh, you know remote access and, and reverse proxy. Very good. Okay, so I mean, you you kind of covered off this topic as well, but I just wanted to make sure that it's um it's poignant. You know, a lot of effort has gone into the Horizon Access Point. It it's been developed for a very very uh, specific list of of challenges that you guys wanted to face head on, and it it you know from from what I what I'm hearing, it, it's absolutely ticking all of those boxes. And as things go forward, so I mean, the customers looking at this today, um, you know, from if they are a Horizon customer, should they be looking at Access Point as you know as in you know is this going to be the de facto solution going forward now for for most of the products? Uh, yes, that's that, that. That's certainly the intention. So you know, learning about uh, learning about Access Point and you know deploying it for the for the specific uh, solutions that it's supported for. You know, so for for Enzo, for DAS, and for Horizon View, you know, is 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 important. Um, you know, it's an exciting area of technology, and you'll see it used more and more in products. Um, you know, you'll see further support for some interesting emerging uh, security technologies as well. You know, we put Access Point was only generally available for DAS since March last year, 2015, um, and for Horizon View since September last year. So you can see the progress we've made in that short time. What I can say is that there is a lot of R&D effort going into Access Point, not only Access Point, the platform, but also Access Point, the, you know, the additional uh, specialized product components that can be put into uh, Access Point. Um, so, uh, so watch this space. I, I, def I, I definitely think we will. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear how the, how the product has shaped and morphed over time and, and come to, to where it is now. And I think we're all very excited to see where it's going to go from, from here. You mentioned you know, the, the strength of the team you're working in now and the amount of innovation VMware have been, have been coining in the last year to, 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 to two years in this space. So I think we're all waiting with bated breath to see how it proceeds on. Um, well, look, I mean, without further ado, Mark, we really, really appreciate your time coming on and talking to us about access 
this point for anybody who hasn't had a chance to look at it yet we're going to put a couple of links on the blog posts as well so you can get familiar with, with what the team have been up to and you know how it deploys and where it fits and all of those use cases we've spoken about already um, so before we, we close down I just wanted to thank our sponsors uh, Liquidware Labs FS Logics and Control Up uh, you guys rock and specifically thank you very much Mark for taking the time out of your busy schedule to to talk to us about um, the, the feature you've been working so closely on it's greatly appreciated uh, no problem. Thanks for your interest. Yes, uh, thank you, Mark. And um, for those listening to the podcast, um, for the blog post for this podcast, we'll p- post some links to some of those tools to help you with uh, deploying access points. So thank you to Mark and thank you to, to VMware for coming on with us today. Um, for those of you for our listeners, um, thank you for listening. Um, for myself and Andrew Morgan, have a nice day.